are listening to Stream Talk Repeat. I'm your host, RJ, and on this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett and my dive back into Star Trek Discovery. But first, a disclaimer. I actually had an entire episode recorded with Mr. Eric Pabone and Andrew Walsh discussing the season finale of Book of Boba Fett and just the series overall. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties and a fuck up on my part, uh, basically it rendered that entire episode useless audio wise. So I am real sorry about that. I am still learning how to record the podcast remotely using only an iPad as it's not as simple as just recording a Zoom call if you had like a regular computer. Um, But hopefully I will get my shit together. That way we could have Mr. Doug Christ of Just Surprise Me and Masters of the uh, Cinematic Universe uh, to record um, this season finale of Peacemaker, which is next week or this week by the time this episode goes live. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. So first, I would actually like to talk about Star Trek Discovery and my dive back into it because it has been a blast so far. Essentially, I fell off just because I couldn't justify paying Paramount Plus for one show, especially after the disappointment that Picard was. And so it just kind of fell off my radar after season two. Uh, But I got a free month of Paramount Plus, so I decided to dive back in. Luckily, it falls, that month falls within the ending of season four. So I'll be able to actually watch it all with my free month, which I'm stoked on. Anyways, for those of you who don't know, Star Trek Discovery is really a, in my opinion, an awesome blend of what you love about the original series, uh, uh, series uh, like like Next Generation, Voyager, etc. with the... With 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 a good mix of what you might like about the JJ universe, which is more action, uh, better better just overall special effects, um, a budget. But what I think I appreciate the most about Discovery versus all of these other series is that it's not episodic. Like it actually has an overall story arc with the seasons, which just makes you want to watch more and more because you want to know what happens next. There's not, while there are planet of the week, like fillers within the episode, there's never been an entire episode of just complete in just complete you know, episode of the week, uh, fillers, which I can really appreciate. I feel like that's the kind of Star Trek stories that need to be told in order to keep the audience coming back for more. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check it out. Now I'm going to actually talk about spoilers and stuff like that. I know that on the past two episodes, I haven't really been mentioning spoilers just because I feel like it is implied, Uh, with basically the content of the show, but I'm going to throw spoilers out and just kind of give you, you know, where we're at. So just to give a quick, you know, recap of season one and two, season one basically introduces this universe, which is the early, not the earliest portrayal within the universe, I think technically Enterprise does still fall before that. But this is basically just a little bit before the original series. So it has the... uh, It has them reintroducing the Cleons. You know, the first episode actually takes place with the first contact of said Klingons, And it goes horribly wrong. Um, basically Michael Burnham, you know, essentially starts a galactic war by, you know, kind of just making assumptions and, um, that entire season's dealing with the repercussions 
And what's cool about that, the big overall arc is actually not so much just the Klingon and human war, the Klingon and Federation war. It is also alternate universes. Um, that's kind of like, you know, like a mirror universe, uh, which as a Star Trek fan, everybody can appreciate. And they do it in a very, very clever way with uh, the Terran Empire, which is just, you know, humans ruling everything essentially in that um, in, in that universe, if you will. Then the second season, basically, they're after the, the Klingon, you know, thing is kind of like set to rest. It's kind of in its own shambles, et cetera, et cetera. Then season two really dives into this overall story of finding out essentially that all organic life matter is going to end. Uh, they get this message essentially from the future uh, via Spock, who happens to be dun, 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 Michael Burnham's uh, stepbrother because she's adopted. For the sake of, I, I get it, they wanted to have some, some, uh, you know, like, hey, this is Star Trek. Don't forget about it. Uh, just like, you know, <laughs> Book of Boba Fett and any other Star Wars franchise does. Hey, this is uh, this is your favorite character. Don't forget about it. Um, come check us out. Like us, like us, please. Anyways, the Spock thing at first, I was really opposed to it, but it actually grew on me because of the relationship he has with Michael Burnham. It actually became a very compelling story. Um, and essentially what ends up happening is they have to time travel to solve this mystery of why organic matter throughout the entire universe ends, essentially. It also has brings in Michael's actual uh, mother in who happens to be the time traveler or the red angel or whatever it's called. And essentially has to do with like uh, sector six or eight or whatever. I'm not like that ingrained in star Trek guys. So if I'm fucking up the lore, I am sorry. Anyways, and it has to do with this sphere. They end up taking the sphere onto Discovery and essentially made the decision to use the Red Angel suit, which is a basically it's a space suit that time travels. And they go into the future. And once they get into the future, um, that's essentially what season three is about. So Basically, they go from being almost the earliest portrayal in the universe to being into the furthest we've ever seen the Star Trek universe go. And I really appreciated that only because it taking place around the same time as the origin series, uh, the original series is kind of harder to believe only for the simple fact of what discovery the ship does it's basically has an alternative method to warp drive it's called spore it's a spore drive and they basically are able to instantaneously travel from one point to another and some of the tech just makes you think to yourself like hmm how 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 did we not know about that in the original series it's a little hard to swallow but now that they're the furthest into the future, it kind of, it just works a lot better. Now, a few things about this future that they now slip into. One, all the dilithium, which essentially is the gasoline of a warp drive, has completely disappeared in what they call the burn. Essentially, all the dilithium, or large amounts of it, that is, around the entire universe erupted at once, destroying any warp capable ship that was in warp at the time, things like that, essentially destroying the Federation, destroying Starfleet and destroying space travel as we've established throughout the entire lore of Star Trek, which makes the discovery spore drive very valuable in 
essentially the only way to kind of get around. With all of that being said, basically it is them trying to figure out what happened with the burn. Find the remnants of the Federation because rumor is that they're still out there. And just come to grips that they are now in a future where everyone, you know, like everything they they thought they were fighting for in season two and were saving. Turns out, sure, you saved organic life, but the universe is still fucked up place and it's still pretty bad. Like it's still worse off than what they uh, imagined that they were fighting for, essentially. One of the things I can appreciate, and here I was bitching about the paywall, but I think we wouldn't be able to have these kind of stories, these season arcs and things like that without this paywall, only because like it's hard to sell a Star Trek show to begin with because it's a very different age of television. And I think CBS was already feeling like they were taking a risk by doing another Star Trek. And I think this was easier, an easier way for them to justify telling the story that they want to tell or allow the the creators to tell the story they want to tell and give them a decent enough budget to entice people with the pretty visuals and things like that. And again, justify it because of the paywall. So in that regards, I do appreciate Paramount Plus, I guess, because I don't think we would have this kind of Star Trek. Because historically speaking, Star Trek started off as just a syndicated show from the beginning, if I'm correct. Uh, Mr. Steve Rao would correct me if I'm wrong. But essentially... That's how they made their money. And I don't think they've ever known a different way to make said money on Star Trek. And I think this is a great way to do it. Some of the things that I love. One, we also have a uh, black female-led show. And it's really is the Michael Burnham show. Like... That's another thing that is different about this. And that's where it kind of, I feel like, takes from the JJ universe um, in that regards is it's like, it's not just about the ship and the crew. It's actually really more about Michael Burnham and a couple other people here and there, you know, just sprinkled. Just like JJ universe was about... um, Kirk and then Kirk and Spock and then a little bit of sprinkling here and there, you know, which is cool. I appreciate that. It's a much more narrow scope or vision of that universe and through their eyes, which I can appreciate versus uh, what I think Star Trek has always done is done well more so than other shows is really sell you the overall picture the overall like big ideas about the federation and starfleet etc etc this allows you to really get an insight from one person's perspective and some of the times it's you know you find yourself really agreeing with michael burnham's views she's been burned burned like three or four times throughout this this show and it really really has formed her opinion uh 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 uh, of this universe and of like you know these cultures while at the same time still maintaining that that foundation of the idealism that is uh the federation and you know, it's kind of like one of those things like, you know, you've seen a lot of shit at the end of the day. Like, you, it's just she happens to be one of those people as cynical as she is. She still has hope. She still has a belief. She still tries to maintain that belief. Uh, either because she's so fragile, because if she doesn't have that, she doesn't have much of anything else. Which I think in season three, that's kind of like what they're getting at. Because 
that Federation foundation is no longer there, really, that she's a little bit lost because she doesn't have a hat to like, she doesn't have a hanger to hang her, her hat on. Like there's no, there's, there's no moral ground that she can rely on or belief that she can rely on. Just like if somebody loses their religion or faith. And I, I, I appreciate that. It kind of, it kind of makes you just, you know, it, it makes her reevaluate everything going on. And I think that's what's been enjoyable the most about season three is she's starting to realize after being a year alone that, oh, there are other things other than the Federation, other Starfleet that I, I may want for myself. And that's that's a big deal that's a transition you know that's a transition in in lifestyle now granted this is by force if she had gone to the future and the federation starfleet was there she would clearly still you know follow that line right but this is a this is a little bit different for her and um and right now i think it's you know straddling that line of it's still being Star Trek because of Discovery, because of them actually finding the small uh, faction that is the Federation now enough to still call it Star Trek. But it is kind of teetering, in my opinion, only because it's I'm kind of like, well, you could tell this story without Discovery being there other than the fact of you may want to know where those characters are at. But it's always been Michael Burnham focused. So at the same time, you could just like let her navigate this universe herself. It's it really is a fine line. Like I'll, I'll just I'll admit that. And right now it's doing well. It could completely lose its its stuff. You know, this season, you know, trying to find out what happened with the burn, et cetera, et cetera, um, is, is an enticing enough story. I have no idea what season four is about, and I can't wait to get there at that point. Um, but yeah, overall, I've really enjoyed it. Some of the standouts of this, the, the, the series entirely is the cast is actually fucking phenomenal. I mean, you got the man himself, Doug Jones doing his full monster makeup, uh, being uh commander Saru. And he has such a swagger with how he walks. Like every time you see him, he has like this wavy thing and he nails it almost like he's like floating in the water and his hands are always like floating in the back. If you watch him, it, it's his mannerisms that he's created for that character have really made him seem alien. And I love that. You have, um, let's see other big notes. Oh, another thing in season two that you get speaking of original series is you actually get to see the enterprise under the command of Mr. Christopher Pike, which for those of you who don't know, he was the original captain in the original series before Kirk on episode two, like after the, or after the, the pilot Kirk became the captain essentially. And they tell his story and what happened to him, which is pretty amazing. You have, um, in, oh, and then of course you have, uh, rain Wilson as a uh, Harry mud, in seasons one and two for those of the, like it, I feel like unlike book of Boba Fett, this also does fan service. Like it actually does fan service. Well, um, it, it really does. It does it well with like these little things fans would know without like hitting, hitting it or hitting you over the head with it. Essentially, essentially, um, Ethan Peck as Spock does a phenomenal job. Uh, let's see who else is in this. 
Um, oh, also, this made it lore. Uh, first of all, um, Klingons have two penises and females have two vaginas. Um, just so you are aware, that is officially canon anatomy for said Klingons. Just, you know, thought I'd let y'all know. <laughs> um, let's see. Anthony Rapp's in it. I think I mentioned that earlier. If I didn't, I just did now. He plays like the main science officer, the guy who's in charge of the spore drive. Um, he does a wonderful job in it. Uh, this season's standout for season three. I would say... What is his name? I'm looking it up. Fuck. He aged quite well. Uh, 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 Oded Fair? I don't know his exact name. The guy who plays um, in The Mummy, in The Mummy Returns, or The Mummy uh, franchise, uh, the the guy who's part of like the secret, the secret society that's supposed to, you know, protect all of uh, humanity. One, he looks good with gray, like a hot damn. He's a, he's, he's a sexy, sexy man for, you know, anybody that, 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 you know, swings that way. Beautiful man looking good. He actually plays the head of the Federation in it. And so far I'm really liking him. He's not villainous the way, let's say, uh, Jason Isaac's character is like, he was straight up a villain. You just didn't know how. I feel like this, excuse me, I feel like this is just, he is truly a a product of his environment and has a lot on his shoulders to try to save what is left of the Federation, to try to maintain that with what little that they have. I mean, we're talking about only a couple dozen of ships. We're talking about only a couple, you know, Maybe at the most, like 500,000 members of the Federation. And <clears throat> what's the point of being the Federation if you can't actually time travel? Or time travel, I'm sorry. If you can't every, uh, actually warp travel, like, that's a problem. To, to maintain that or sell the benefits, etc., etc. That That is a huge, huge problem. And... And I just think he has a lot on his shoulders and you can totally see that. Um, so far, they haven't really dived into like really any other members of the Federation uh, from the current timeline other than him and like his lieutenant. There's a couple of people sprinkled there on their journey to finding the Federation, which they find by like episode four, I believe. But really, he's he's your main contact for what is considered to that time's uh, Federation. Um, and he's killing it. Overall, check it out. I, I'm sorry if this was more just like a recap. I just wanted for those who are not following uh, to kind of get an idea without giving away too much. Um, but yeah. I hope to finish this up that way I can be caught up with what's actually premiering because I hope to have just have a work on here to talk the season finale of uh, season four. Anyways, guys, it is on Paramount Plus. Go ahead and check it out. Let's go ahead and talk about the book of Boba Fett. All right, Book of Boba Fett, the season finale. What can I say? It actually turned out a lot better than I thought it would. I truly didn't think they could wrap it up the way that they did with what they had set up in previous episodes. Um, it still left a lot to be desired, but it had some very cool moments. It had some. Uh, it had. It had some cool cool scenes i'll give it that but overall you know maybe it's because my expectations were set so low and that's why i was able to excel uh at what it did but overall it's i mean i it was the best 
Book of Boba Fett episode, excluding the Mandalorian episodes, in my opinion. The Rancor was cool, confirming that Grogu is going to be back for season three, obviously. Um, and it just it had some it had some cool scenes. Uh, however, however, let's get started with like my main gripes. First of all, if it was going to be that easy to take out the Pike's leadership. By Bubba just saying, hey, go take care of it. Why? Why are we having this episode? Finnick literally takes them down in like, I don't know, two minutes at the most? Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's ridiculous. Like, why didn't he just like, yo, go do it. Just go do it. I, I don't understand. We wouldn't have any of this. Take out the leadership. Take them out when they get off of the 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 fucking the ships or the buses, basically. <laughs> and just call it a call it a day. Like, oh my god, that was a little bit annoying. It just really drove the point in that there's really no stakes to this show and the show writers didn't know what they were doing like they had no idea what they wanted to achieve with the book of boba fett and it is clear as day other than just some fan service and that's it um you can tell when dave filoni's writing comes into play because it's some of the better stuff and i i know that's you know making quite the assumption but i mean john favreau ain't thinking about bringing back cad bane for the fans like no but nobody in higher up lucasfilm like you know john favreau or fucking uh robert Drogi rodriguez as a director like nobody's thinking about that no they rather bring you know make up the fucking power rangers now, I, I've already told everybody on the last episode my meh about Cad Bane, but it was one of the better parts because you actually got more of their history. And for those who are not familiar with Clone Wars, it kind of like put a glimpse in that and enough to where I think it might make some people curious to go actually check out the Clone Wars. Which is phenomenal. If you, if it converts more people to watch the animation, uh, the Clone Wars, and all of those animated series, which are just absolutely, oh, just done a lot better. Don't get me wrong. Clone Wars has a bunch of filler, but at the same time, when it gets good, it gets really good. I still argue the last four episodes of the Clone Wars, and I'll say. It I said it last episode, I think. I'll say it on this one. It is some of the best stars you'll ever fucking witness. Period. Um, and it's stuff like that that makes me realize, God, just let Filoni have this. Stop bringing in big names. Uh, just stop. Like, we don't need... It. Clearly. Clearly. John Favreau is not the savior, in my opinion, that some people thought him to be because of the Mandalorian. This just goes to show, no, that's not the case. He, like others at Lucasfilm, sorry, I had a beard itch. Anyways, he, like other uh, others at Lucasfilm, just are like, original trilogy lovers and not even like super duper fans but they just love that and they call it a day robert rodriguez same thing you get that same feel um and then i mean like let's face it all of the movies jj did his job in the first one and the force awakens he brought back star wars 
he did a great job in the same way that he did a great job bringing back Star Trek, which, you know, without that, you know, catalyst, I don't think we'd have great shows like Star Trek Discovery. Um, without him bringing back Star Trek to the mainstream, and he brought Star Wars back to the mainstream, and you gotta give him credit for that. We're not gonna talk about the Rise of Skywalker. That was more like pretty, pretty pleased with sugar on top, but I got better shit to do. Yeah, but we're gonna throw a bunch of money in you. Oh, oh okay, I'll come back. Um, I don't hate Return. Oh, I'm sorry, not Return of the Jedi. I don't hate the Last Jedi. Uh, there are parts that I hate, like the casino, because the casino fits a lot like the mod part, the the mod part in Book of Boba Fett. It just doesn't fucking work. It really, really does. It's it's shiny, just like the casino. It's polished. It's it's actually more polished and more shiny, in my opinion, and more obscene than the prequels. And it just doesn't belong on Tatooine. I can get a whole planet of being like a, a, a haven for like the rich and the famous being shiny, right? But to see that kind of shine on Tatooine, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But we learned the, the mod's true purpose, which was, oh, hey. We are just cannon fodder. That's all it is. You, you fucking just needed cannon fodder. And you needed them to get pinned down and, and to write that scene. That's 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 basically what they're saying to me with how they wrote this episode. Because anybody with a fucking sniper rifle could have taken that role. Like, they could have had... Uh... Uh... Black Chrysanthemum or whatever the hell his name is with his gun uh, on the rooftop, you know, anybody uh, on that last scene when they finally take down the shields and, and, and are taking down like the, the Droidica, the big old fucking, I don't know, we're going to call them the Giga Droidicas because I don't fucking remember the actual name. Um... Vance is alive and it's so funny because on a private chat with me, uh, with me and Steve Rao, uh, I actually called the bonus scene out a couple weeks ago, um, with a season or episode five. How many episodes were in this fucking show? Seven uh, episode six, whatever. The one where he gets shot by Cad Bane. I go, Every, he, he he basically messaged me. He's like, why is everybody assuming that he's dead? And I was like, yeah, I don't think he's dead. Even though I did mention that in the podcast, it really didn't make sense. And I go, you know what? All this is, is so he can get a fucking metal armored shoulder and have one more fucking Thundercat uh, cameo. And sure enough, that's exactly what it fucking was. Now, during our chat on the podcast that you'll never hear, <laughs> Andrew actually mentioned that they might have taken that out. And and so it's not actually on the episode anymore. And I can neither confirm that because I don't care because I saw it when I saw it. I, I saint it. I saint it. That's all that matters. Anyways. And yeah. So yeah. So basically what I've, I've learned is, you know, fucking Thundercat fixes up Vance or whatever Vanth or whatever the hell his name is, uh, Timothy Oliphant's character. And he's basically going to be Zordon of the fucking power Rangers. Now that's, what's going to happen. He was even in the back to tank, just like Zordon. That you thought that was just, you know, crystals and shit came right. No, it was, it was another form of a back to tank. That's all it is. Um, so, you know, that, that was fine. I'm kind of rambling at this just because, to be honest with you, I, I'm fucking so meh about this show that I'm like, oh, it's over. Cool. When the fuck do we get the next season of whatever comes up? And it turns out we're actually getting Kenobi next, which is 
in May, which I am stoked for. Um, some people may not be because it's like, oh, well, what the fuck is he going to do? We just imagined that he kicked it on a planet one. Clearly, I don't think that was the case. Like, I think you are going to have. Oh, we're going to go into we're going to go into Kenobi and we're going to go into like just the Star Wars series as a whole to wrap up Book of Boba Fett, a bunch of man. The Rancor scene was cool. Uh, the Cad Bane thing was cool. Let me just talk about that again real quick. It was real cool to see them, you know, go at it. Um, Mr. Eric Babone actually made the comment. He was hoping that's who was in the back to taint. And I kind of agree only for the fact of I do feel like Boba Fett, if you watch the Clone Wars, kind of still has a soft spot for Cad Bane for the simple fact of like that man mentored Boba Fett and 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 did a lot for him for better or worse he he helped form who Boba Fett became after his dad was you know brutally murdered by the evil Jedi <laughs> um Mr. Mace Windu uh but no like I I think that would have made more sense only again for the fact of like Boba Fett's always kind of had a soft spot for for life, if you will. And I think that would have been a stronger way to show that, that he's turned to leave, that he started off as this naive kid in the Clone Wars who was also looking for a family, who was also to look for basically honor amongst thieves to being broken by people like Cad Bane and other bounty hunters to show that, no, this is all about, you know, you got to be about you and that's it. And to the point of where that's what he becomes to then turn another leaf um, again and go back to the more hopeful uh, version of himself that he was in his younger years both naive as fuck in my opinion and that clearly shows in in, in the show or it attempts to at least um but yeah that, that, that was that was a good moment that was a good moment that was the the, the most fucking western yippie kaye fucking dave filoni fucking brought out a special hat and begged john favreau to just, just direct that one fucking scene uh kind of uh a moment anyways let's talk about star wars as a whole going forward we have kenobi coming out in may then i believe andor comes out of that comes after that and then maybe mandalorian i don't know where it falls but kenobi i'm stoked i'm i'm sure what i think they're gonna do is there he's he's gonna it's gonna be a I'm a I'm a I'm a predict it. It's gonna be a Indiana Jones esque adventure with him finding older Jedi texts and be taken down the path of uh, basically how how to become one with the Force via Qui Gon Jinn and things like that. Uh, I do think we'll see Yoda. I do. I really do. I think we'll see Yoda in it too they'll have a meet in and like a meetup and uh yeah so that's what i think for that then andor i don't know what to think i hope it gives me the tone that i expected from book of boba fett which is just a little more brutal because rogue one is by far my favorite lucas or i'm sorry disney owned movie that they've done because it was just going to show that like dude some of the rebel shit that went down, like the Saw Guerrera shit and like even with the official rebellion is some really dark shit. And it's no wonder how easy it was. Don't get me wrong. I know that the fucking Empire was making up shit for propaganda sake, um, concocting these fucking stories to to really portray the the rebellion as bad. But, like, they also did some genuine bad shit to, like, where they could just put that up on the the hollow net and fucking 
call it a goddamn day. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that it, it does have that tone and they don't fuck it up like, like they did Book of Boba Fett. I mentioned this and again, I'm going to keep referencing this cast because guys, it was a really great conversation. I'm really sorry about that, but I said in there, like what I saw in the trailer for Book of Boba Fett was Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then what I got is Zack Snyder's Justice League directed by Joss Whedon, essentially with the fucking Book of Boba Fett. I hope that's not the case with Andor. Uh, I really, really want them to get away from just... I just want them to get away from the Marvel occasion, the Marvel occasion of Star Wars, like with the corny jokes and yes we know star wars has always been for kids but you know what i call kind of bullshit on that for the sake of like there was like maybe some deadpan humor in the original trilogy but that's about it i mean don't get me wrong i'm not not talking about the prequels. I'm talking about the original trilogy. I hope they go back to that. They did it with Mandalorian. And uh, yeah. I just. Uh, anyways. So I hope they do that with Andor. And then of course we got Ahsoka. Which I'm stoked for. Because we're going to get. you know, Ezra Bridger. We're going to get Thrawn. Of, I think. And everything else. So that's going to be fun. Um, I think literally today while recording this, they actually announced a possible new Jedi movie trilogy, possibly featuring Ray, which I, 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 uh, uh, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that guys. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be positive here, but yeah, you're making it hard. You're making it real fucking hard. Um, yeah. So that's my overall thoughts with Star Wars and the Book of Boba Fett. I had more deep thoughts into it, but really, guys, it's nothing that I haven't said before. Book of Boba Fett was just overall meh, and they ruined a valuable IP, in my opinion. And I know maybe that's putting expectations too high, but at the same time, if you even exclude... Return of the Jedi, if you exclude all that, you should realize that this guy is one badass motherfucker because that's how you portrayed him in The Mandalorian. And his his first appearance in The Mandalorian, taking fucking stormtroopers out left and right, acting like a badass motherfucker. That's what we expected. And that's definitely not what we got. And it's over. And I don't have to talk about it anymore. I'm sure I will. Just to bitch about it. Because who doesn't like bitching about things they don't like. Um, But yeah. I'm excited to move on from Book of Boba Fett. And yeah. Now this is a little bit of a bonus. Before we conclude this episode. There is something else I want to talk about. Because I was late with the podcast. Because of the technical difficulties. I am actually recording this. After the Super Bowl. Now I don't give a fuck about football. I played it in high school very briefly. That's about it. Uh, I like playing the sport. I do not like necessarily watching the sport. Although it was not a bad game. A lot of motherfucking flags thrown towards the end. A lot of flags that should have been thrown that didn't happen. Motherfucker almost took that dude's fucking face completely off. Not a flag was thrown. Anyways, that's besides the point. Let's talk about the fucking halftime show. First of all, overall, I fucking loved it. It was over quicker than I thought it would be. Like It felt like it went by so quickly and I it left me wanting more, um, which was shopping, shopping, which was shocking, uh, more than I can say for the book of Boba Fett. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) um, highlights for me were, I love the fact, um, Dre 
actually did a lot better than I thought he was going to do. Snoop killed it, which I figured he would. I loved seeing Anderson Pack on there because that guy just always puts a fucking smile on my face. He's like, he just seems like one of the most genuine dudes out there. Not enough good things could be said about him and his talent. Things I didn't like. 50 Cent. Fucking terrible move there, okay? Um, Mr. Joseph at work actually posted a funny meme of basically it was him upside down at the Super Bowl and then the the spoof that they did in D12 with Bizarre. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I didn't know Bizarre made a, uh, a cameo appearance at the fucking Super Bowl. Uh, it, it was quite funny. Um, but... I didn't like it. Also, I don't, you know, that guy. Well, what can I say about that guy? Fuck 50 Cent. That's all. Um, and then my two biggest complaints, Mary J. Blige and Eminem. First of all, Mary J. Blige. Killed it with the first one, the first song. But why in the fucking world would you sing no more drama like that song doesn't fucking get you hype that's a fucking sad ass dramatic song hence the name being ironic um it was it was it was just it was out of place i i I didn't understand it at all Yeah, she could have gone with anything else. Fucking anything else. Or just do the one and call it a fucking day. And same thing goes for Eminem. Why lose yourself? I get it. That's the Grammy winner. That's the... Did it win an Oscar? I think it won an Oscar for Best Original Song. Uh, I could be wrong on that. And the beat itself does get played at like football games and stuff like that but the lyrical content just doesn't fucking fit the super bowl at all at all and i think i think he could have done so many other songs or gone with some of his new stuff um i think my other complaint is with the specific people that they chose for the Super Bowl, they could have done something really collaborative, collaborate, collaborative. Blah, blah, blah. They could have collabed a lot better. I just porky the pig that shit, y'all. Anyways, they could have collabed a lot better together. Because, I mean, like, literally, you have Dre, Snoop known each other since the beginning on top of Eminem known each other for their whole career other than him doing forgot about Dre hook. Um, they just all know each other and then fucking Kendrick, like, Oh my God, Kendrick Lamar fucking killed it. But I was so hoping and I had this thing in my head. I'm like, dude, let him and Eminem just feed off each other and fucking do something prolific and we didn't get that. And so that's unfortunate. But overall, one of the better halftime shows, in my opinion, uh, as far as performances go, the set design was okay. Um, I know Andrea's mom, uh, my, my partner's mom, loved it because she's from Inglewood. So fucking, you know, she grew up down from the fucking stadium, the original stadium and and everything else so you know when they you know show above the the houses and it's the fucking map of fucking Inglewood and shit she fucking lost her mind which was cool it really drove like being local yes I understand not everybody on that stage was from LA but the majority were and I thought that was really cool Man, it would have sucked to be on the other end of that stadium behind the house where, like, it didn't open up and you didn't get to look down and see. Uh, and other than that, um, I thought it was a 
thought it was really good. I mean, I have a few complaints, but I still enjoyed it. It still left me wanting a lot more, but in a good way. And yeah, that's my thoughts about the Super Bowl halftime this year. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stream Talk Repeat. I am so sorry that it was late, and I am so sorry I didn't fulfill the promise of having Mr. Eric Pabone on this week's episode. I did, but it didn't work out, and I'm so sorry, guys. I really fucked that up. But I'm going to have him on again soon, and I also have some more special guests planned, and I have a better way of doing it going forward, I believe. So we can have guests on season finale reviews, and I don't fuck it up. But yeah, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Stream Talk Repeat. And if you're into guitar stuff, music making stuff, follow me at Telly Talks, both on Instagram and YouTube. And let me know what you guys thought about the season finale of the book, the book of Boba Fett. The halftime show, if you watched it. And, uh, yeah. Also, guys, you know, I'm really ingrained into Just Surprise Me. And and a lot of you guys who listen are on that. So we end up having conversations there. But that being said, if you guys would be interested in me starting a stream talk repeat group. And that way we can, like, share shows that we've been watching, thoughts and views. Let me know. I will actually make a poll and put it in um, the questionnaire that you can do on Spotify. So if you're listening to Spotify, you can actually answer this question, whether or not we should start a Facebook group. And uh, we can go from there or Discord, whatever you guys think. I'll put a couple options in the poll. So if you're on Spotify, again, be sure to check that out and uh, vote. Thanks again, guys. 